Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. everybody welcome to the pbsc podcast i'm steve moore i'm here with mark castleman it's good to be with you today we're really excited today to talk about a topic that we don't actually i don't think we've ever t- tackled before i don't think we have ever i don't think we've i mean it may have been mentioned a little but it's not one of those topics that have kind of been covered in other areas we got a uh we actually got a uh <laughs> i'm losing the the word a message a message yes <laughs> and what am i thinking an epistle a an, an emissary <laughs> we got a message from a from a listener who uh sent us something so I'll, I'll read that to you real quick and then that'll kind of set the discussion for what we're going to talk about uh will you guys do an episode on how to deal with your kids through trauma and disclosure my kids can tell there is something big going on and lots of emotions and i think that they are confused and scared but i'm a wreck 80 percent of the time and don't feel like they need to know details. Do you ever tell your kids what has happened? How do you teach your kids to help them avoid going down the same path, but not screw them up and have them fear marriage and problems in of pornography? Light so, topic, right? Just yeah, a really light topic. Just like what we usually talk about is just kind of going to be <laughs> surface level today. No, I. This is a it's a great topic, and it's and it's you know something that I, both Mark and I I know hear about from from clients on a fairly regular basis. It's you know, we, we talk all the time on this podcast about transparency and openness and the need to be real and raw. I mean, Mark and I are all about that. But navigating that with with children is a really tricky, a really tricky deal, not just in discussing pornography in general, which is hard and difficult for many parents to begin with. But specifically, if you are dealing with this issue, some sort of pornography or sexual addiction or compulsion and and or betrayal trauma in the in the in the relationship um how do we address that with the kids you know um how do we how do we tackle that how do we look to it and you know thankfully i uh 
Mark is, uh, he's, uh, what, what would you say, Mark? 20 years more mature than me or wise, wiser <laughs> well, than me. <laughs> there's, there's like a 20 year difference. I don't know if it's more mature. There, there's definitely years between us. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a, you're like, you're like a good cheese. You're aging well over yes, time. You I'm know? aging well over time. I am. <laughs> Luckily we've got somebody here uh, who's a, who's part of this duo who has actually gone through this and has raised kids um, as a, as a successful, very competent therapist. You guys are all familiar with obviously Mark and, and uh, he's somebody who, who had to tackle these issues, as you know, and, and did have kids uh, growing up. So I, I, I'm excited that we've got a resource like this and excited to be on the podcast today, as always. But uh, this is an area where I think Mark's got a lot more in terms of real world experience than maybe I do. So excited for that. Well, we're, we're, so we're going to do something a little different today. So Steve's going to kind of wear the therapist hat and I'm going to take, put myself in a time machine here at my microphone and take myself back to my deep, dark addiction days. When I was as a father, as a husband, uh, we were raising six kids, five boys, right. Mm -hmm. And everything that goes along with that. Yeah. But I was navigating, well, I was going to say I was navigating all this. I actually wasn't navigating it at all back then. It was just, (laughs) I was deep in it, but here, you know, here are six kids and obviously they know something's going on. They know that mom and dad are having troubles. They know that dad, you know, he gets in these dark moods. We never know, you know, who's going to show up, right? The nice guy or the, you know, the dark, you know, moody, angry guy. Um, They knew my wife and I were having, you know, friction. They knew a lot of stuff and they just couldn't put, you know, my kids couldn't put their fingers on it because I was so secretive. I was very stealthy. Um, And so I remember what that was like. And so I'm going to let Steve kind of take the, the therapist spot. And I'm going to try to put myself back into that place and talk as raw and honest about that as I can. Yeah, let's see I love we, that. If we can help those that are listening. So, all right. Take your best shot. Gear up, buttercup, because here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess the first question that I would ask, Mark, is, you know, as you look, as you look back and kind of get in tune with that side of yourself, can you talk a little bit about kind of, I mean, most addicts can relate to the fear of discovery by anybody, but can you talk a little bit about the fear of, you know, your kids finding out about you? Oh my gosh. I mean, if I have to, if there's anything that is at the top of your terror list, mm-hmm. if you're struggling with addiction, it's disclosure really yeah. from all sources, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the closer it gets to you, the more, the, the bigger the terror is. Yeah. And so, of course, we've talked about disclosure to a wife, which is horrible enough, but there seems to be just a little bit different mindset, a little bit different feeling about my kids finding out, right? These, especially when they're, when they're, when they're younger. So here's these innocent, precious, amazing, adorable kids. And they're about to find out that their dad is Mm. right. This monster. That just sounds... I mean, I can connect with the fear side in a general sense, but to do that with kids, that just, that kind of hits the the high register for me. Oh my, because you know that they, you know, let's just say it, they worship you. Yeah. And you know that, you know, that you've built up this big, uh, this big impression in their minds. And now you're just going to literally obliterate that. Yeah. And the great fear is they will never see me the same again my relationship with my kids will be, will be destroyed forever. Yeah. 
and it just haunts you. It haunts you. And, and, and this is where we get into the big Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of effect. I know I'm hurting my kids mm-hmm. by keeping this secret, by not getting help, by you know, staying in this place. And at the same time, how do I, how do I tell them? How do I, how do I come clean without also creating destruction? Absolutely. I feel yeah. like you're just stuck in a grinder right in between those two opposites. Yeah. Well, and I know a lot of our, our listeners, part of the, probably the dilemma for them is, is that, uh, you know, you and I talk about this often, even though, you know, kids, kids are perceptive. We're going to get into that more in a little bit. And they do pick up on things far more than most parents give them credit for. Yes, they do. No matter how well, you know, you think you might be concealing this from your kids, even kids at a very young age, they may not be able to gauge why or what is going on, but they can sense that virgins in the force right? Like they can tell like something is off. Um, when, when you were, as you go through and as you were, as you were addressing this with your kids, like what were the ways in which you, what were the, what were the signs? What were the things that you look, as you look back, you saw that kind of said, huh, maybe they are a little more perceptive to this than. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because as part of my training in my career, I actually spent a fair number of years looking very deeply into child psychology and the brain Mm -hmm. science that developed the young developing brain. And it's pretty remarkable. And and it's remarkable and a little scary because when you learn about pre-adolescence and the development of the brain, what you find out is that that little kid's brain between uh, right around between age five to eight, somewhere in that realm, and all the kids are different, they develop an emotional system, the limbic system of the brain that becomes very adult-like, that young. What that means is they have the ability to feel adult-like emotions. Mm -hmm. They have the ability to get caught up in what's going on that's intense, right? In that household. But the challenge is, with that part of the brain being very adult-like, they have no ability to make sense of it. Yes. To filter it through logic and reason and step back and objectively look at it and know that it's not about them. That's the prefrontal cortex. And that doesn't come fully online until the late teens or even in the twenties. Yeah. So here I had, I have six of these little kids all at different ages and they're experiencing these adult-like emotions, but they can't make sense of it. Absolutely. And what happens invariably when a, when a kid's in that position, they look at the adult that's godlike to them, mm-hmm. right? That they worship. And then they look at themselves and they say, okay, who's at fault here? Yeah. That little kid is nearly going to always default to himself or herself. It Completely. must be me. Yeah. I must be doing something wrong that's causing my dad to be moody and angry and and to, and to, you know, do all of these things that I see him doing. It must be me. My parents yes. must be not getting along because I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And that's the thing I regret most about those early years was the fact that I know that my kids um, had the anxiety and the turmoil of filtering that through their minds on a constant basis. Is it me? Is it me? Yeah. And if I had been more open and forthright, I've, I, I believe I could have really alleviated a lot of that for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, as you're talking about that, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in a household, uh, where, where addiction was present, at least to my knowledge, but I did grow up in a household where there was, where there was a good amount of trauma, you know, like when my, when my, when my dad died, I can remember feeling very much what you're describing, right? Like everyone tells you it's first, everyone, I swear everyone says it's not your fault, 
which in some ways almost makes it like (laughs) counterintuitive because you know i remember i remember logically like knowing to some degree kind of that it wasn't my fault but feeling completely different right like questioning all the time like deep down it's it's you know something i did or i could have done something different or which which again in adulthood makes no logical sense but what you're saying i completely agree with kids kids i think they lack they let they they have the ability to feel the feelings but they they lack the emotional development to be able to assign accountability exactly in in a healthy way so true and so yeah and you know an amazing thing was years later when i got healthy and i actually have by the way over the years had discussions with all my kids now Mm, they know about my addiction they know i've been very honest and open about what was going on back in those years and it has been very important for their healing for me to take them back and say hey you know when this was happening it wasn't your fault yeah here's what was really going on and you can just, and I, and even in my adult kids, my, my oldest kids were adults before I was able to do that. And just seeing the relief come over their faces. Uh, it's been one of the greatest connecting experiences with my kids I've ever had to yeah. get raw and real uh, with them about what was going on during those years. Um, yeah. I was even in, you know, even as a, even as a therapist and in really good recovery, I was still afraid yeah. Even with my older adult kids, what's going to happen when I, when I divulge all of this? Totally. Are they ever, are we ever going to have a normal relationship ever again? I, and I have to tell you that it's actually been the opposite of what my fear said. Mm, um, now, was it rough for a while? Yes. Let's be real. For sure. There was a time where it was very disconnecting when they found out there was anger, there yeah. was resentment. Um, I let them vent. Some of them didn't want to talk to me for a few years. It was mm. very cold and standoffish in our conversations. Yeah. I'm not trying to paint this, you know, this utopia that if you disclose this, everything's going to be wonderful because that's not how it works. Yeah. But over time, and as we've worked on it, just like we teach couples to work on it, right? Through the betrayal, trauma, and the addiction, you find that you're welded. I mean, my kids and I today are welded together because of all of this trauma past yeah. and the fact that I got open and honest. You can't break us apart. Well, let me ask you, um, because I think that this is definitely an important, you know, you have a really valuable perspective kind of being able to look at this specific topic, you know, going back. What, as you look back, hopefully this is a fair question. I'm putting you on the spot. What would you say if you could go back and change one thing about the way you handled that component of talking to your kids, disclosing to your kids, if there was one thing that you could go back and do differently, what would you, what would it be? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things with regard to that. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I would encourage everyone listening, if you've got kids, the, because I know everyone's thinking, well, Mark and Steve, just tell me, should I tell my kids I look at porn or Mm -hmm. shouldn't I tell them I look at porn, right? Just give it to me black and white. Yeah. And it isn't that simple. And you and I will talk in a few minutes about, you know, the different layers of that. One of the very most important things that, well, I'd say the most important thing you can do with regard to this is not, not the disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. Like right straight up. It's the relationship that you have with your kids. Completely. Is there an open dialogue? Is there a relationship with the kids where they don't feel an element of shame when they're around you? Do they feel like they can come to you with tough topics that they're struggling with? And can, do they know you have their back? 
Yeah. That's what I would work on. If I was, whenever I talk to parents today, I say, you know what, at all costs, you work to develop that open, non-shaming, I unconditionally accept you and love you no matter what. Yeah. That is your top priority with regard to your kids. And the reason that's important is when the time does come for some level of disclosure, if you have that kind of relationship, I can tell you it's going to be a much different experience than if the kids feel shamed and closed off and you, yeah. don't, love them, you don't accept them. It's conditional. Well, and I'd but imagine it's probably a big thing with the, uh, that, that plays into not just that dialogue about any, any topic, right? That relationship, I'd imagine it's also, this goes back to some other discussions that we've had around, you know, how is, how is the topic of sex in general Huge. Right, addressed in the home? And here was the problem with me as I look back because I had a secret sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. Those those who are caught up in addiction or have been know what I'm talking about. We walk around with a with a nearly constant 24/7 feeling of shame. Yeah. I mean, we wear it like clothing. And the people that we're close to pick up on it. They pick up yeah. on our shame energy. They don't know exactly where it's coming from, but they know that it's there. Yeah. And because I had that, I wasn't able to talk with my kids about sex in a healthy way because I was ashamed of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so that shame in many this... ways kind of transferred along. Oh my gosh. It comes through in the language that you use, the vocabulary. Yeah. You know, how do you respond when your daughter comes out of her room to head off to junior high with a little mini skirt? Yeah. Right. What is the look on your face when you see that? What totally. happens when some scene comes on the television? You know, that's some sort of a sexual scene you weren't expecting. How does dad react? Mm -hmm. Well, I reacted from shame. Yeah. And so often it was very rigid and I would, you know, act angry and, you know, we don't see that in our home and, you know, all of these different ways that we respond because we're trying to play the part that's opposite the shameful, perverted acting out guy. Yes. I got to play the guy opposite him. Yeah. So that Absolutely. nobody can tell, right? Well, my well that's the irony, right? Is by doing it that way, <laughs> that is actually what sets the, the, the shame cycle up for the child, right? <laughs> it's, I it's know, right? So we, we pass on our sexual shaming often because of our own insecurities and our own indiscretions. Absolutely. And so, and here's the thing, even if you're caught up in addiction right now, or you're suffering from betrayal trauma, you don't have to go into a big full disclosure and get everything out on the table to start developing this kind of relationship with your kids. Yeah. There is a maturity. I'm going to just say it. There's a maturity to being able to deal with your stuff in a mature way behind the scenes in your own healing and still be able to interact with your kids in a healthy, open, non-shaming way. Yeah. You're sort of bearing your cross behind the scenes and not carrying that into what you're doing with your children. Yeah. You, I'm sorry. You know, I wish there was, I wish there was a better way to say that, but sometimes we have to do that while we're getting healthy. Mm -hmm. You've got to really be conscious. Okay. I'm not going to bring my shame into this discussion with my kid. Who's just asked me something about sex. Yeah. Or my 11 year olds just come to me and said that he, he snuck and, you know, looked at porn on his game station. How am I going to respond? From my autobiography with my struggles, or am I going to step out of that and step into my kid's world and behave in a really healthy way? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Mark and Steve here. 
Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbsepodcast.com. Yeah, I think that, that and that kind of takes us to a, 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 a an important topic, you know, a, it, w- when it comes to addressing this with kids, first of all, and we're going to say this probably again, we cannot emphasize enough when you're dealing with these kinds of issues with children, how important a qualified child trained therapist is going to be. I couldn't agree more. Because even if even if we talk about, I mean, I could sit here, I won't forsake a time, but I could talk about all the stages of, you know, neurobiological, de- psychosexual, psychosocial development, right? And we could say from age five to eight, this is what's going on and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is those are general, those are general terms. Those are, gen- that's general information. Every kid, every family, every whatever is going to be different. And, and w- how you handle this situation uh, really could have huge impacts. And so yes. you want to have somebody involved who, un- who knows and understands your family dynamic and ideally even your kids well enough to kind of give you some insightful guidance on how much to say, when to say it. And I wish, I wish we had had that, you know, because yeah. some people want to put this all in neat little boxes and say, well, yeah, if they're nine years old, then you talk this way. If they're yes. 11 years old, you say this. Yeah. And that's, you can't do that. It, it, it isn't that generic because kids are different places, developmentally, personality, yes. the gen, you know, the gender differences are a, are a big issue. There's so much going on here and, and to get some outside help is so valuable. Well, and I think it's especially important, even, I mean, speaking to myself, if I was having to have this conversation with my kids, right? I, I mean, I teach this stuff for a living. I think most would consider us to be experts in this field specifically. But I, if I'm in my right mind, I'm going to involve a, another child therapist for sure. Yeah, because yeah, me too. no matter how good of a job I think I might do, I'm going to do probably exactly what you're talking about, right? I'm going to be reacting from a place of shame. My own baggage is going to somehow be coming into the discussion, either as an addict or as my wife, right? Like we, we are going to need a third party that just is not, that one has the knowledge, but two just is not so close to the situation. Yep. That's not caught up in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We can't stress that enough. And you know, another issue here. So people ask, well, how do I know what to share and what not to share? Yes. And you and I talked about this a little bit before we started podcasting. You know, it one of the and this is where we get back to what is the, what is the individual one-on-one relationship with your child like? Mm-hmm. So I I'm a big believer in things like kids day or or date night with with a with an individual kid where you get into this this um healthy place on a weekly basis where your kids used to acting interacting with you one-on-one. Yeah. In a very chill, laid back, you know, friendly, you know, it's just the two of us. We can, we can talk about whatever you want Mm -hmm. instead of the very formalized, you know, we all laugh, right? We're going to have a talk. (laughs) And we, I always ask clients, tell me about, tell me about when you had the talk. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) We've talked about that on here before. That was, I had, I have amazing parents and my, my dad had the talk with me and it, he is an incredible, amazing guy, but man, that talk was, that was that easy that, uh, on the list of like top five awkward conversations with him, like right up there with him forcing me to go and, you know, 
while everybody's watching, you know, go knock on the neighbor's door and admit to toilet papering his house last night and kind of clean it <laughs> yeah, up. Right. Like there's that. And then there's the sex talk that I had. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing. If you'll cultivate that relationship where you're, where an individual child knows that they can dialogue with you about anything, they're not going to be judged. They're not, you're not going to come down on them. And if you can get them to that place, here's what, here's what we know. And I know this from my own experience they will start to tell you what they know. Yeah. Did they, did they peek through the crack and see you looking at pornography once? Mm-hmm. Do they, do, you know, you think you have the secret, secret arguments as a couple in the back room. Are they hearing maybe you this, fighting, right? Yeah, and, maybe this kid knows a lot more about that than you think he does. Maybe one of you isn't even there. I've I've actually got some clients who have vocalized this before where parents will think, well, he's on the phone and I'm here, so they're not going to know. But they know it's down on the phone and they can tell every time mom talks to dad, mom's ticked. Yes. Right? Like little things like that. Again, kids yeah, are way more perceptive. Kids are way more intuitive than we realize. They you are. Know, when we say that they're emotionally evolved at a very young age, that also means that they're able to pick up on emotional cues. Yes. They're very sensitive. They're very empathic. It's kind of a child gift that these mm-hmm. kids have. So they probably know more than you think they do. Yes. And the way to find that out is not to drill them, you know, okay, we're going to find out what they know. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll find out that you'll probably, you're going to shut them down. But just the regular day-to-day, week-to-week relationship, being comfortable, open, authentic, and real, they'll divulge to you over time, you know, what they know and what they're feeling. And then you can know from there kind of how to begin to address that, address this. Because Stephen, I'll tell you, we do not believe that you should just get all your kids together and just dump the whole cow on them. Absolutely not. There's no situation where that's going to be a thing. (laughs) Don't do that. Nope. Uh, Because you can do great harm by divulging, just as you can be harmed by divulging nothing, you can also do great damage by divulging too much at the wrong time. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and as we... As we look at that, this is just kind of another plug for the therapy piece. Well, obviously, for a lot of our listeners, it this is it's good to know about developing these relationships. But a lot of listeners, I'm sure, are you know in a place where maybe they they don't have that dialogue or relationship, or their kids not responsive to it. Yes, very and this much is so. a, this is another area where having a separate therapist involved and having that therapist develop a relationship with the child is another way where you can where you as the parent can start to. Hit, get information engaged, you know, how much are they aware of what's really going on with my kids around this issue, et cetera. I love that point. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up because an outside source can, your kids will, will, will often divulge things to that trusted source over time that you'll never get out of them as a parent. Yes, absolutely. Really, really crucial point. So I think that, uh, and I, and so I think, you know, a couple of things come into play, right? I know we're, we're running out of time here, but uh, a couple of points I know we wanted to t- wanted to discuss. I there is definitely, as Mark as you're discussing, I think it's it's critical to get that information about what they already know because whatever they already know needs to be addressed. Yes, that may be way too much or way more than they should, but once that information is out of the bottle, it is critical that that information is dealt with because otherwise their child brain they're going to be left to their own devices to do it and it is not going to go well. And often it, they're going to turn it back to them that Correct. something's wrong or flawed in them. Yeah. Once that genie's out of the bottle, you're not putting that cork back. Well, and the other element too is, is if they know, for example, dad's got it. I have several clients I've worked with over the years where it was almost a generational thing 
like it, kid was aware that dad had like a porn stash, you know, and whatever else, but dad never addressed it or talked about it, yep. even though he was aware of it. And, and for a child that can oftentimes send the message, well, that's just the norm. Right. The norm is just you get a porn stash, you know. It's I'm, just what you do. It's and just what dad, you do. Dad was secret about it, so I'm going to be secret about yeah, it. Yeah, this is just how we is how we operate, right? Right. And so and so no so figuring that out is is an important step one, uh, and then again, this is where kind of the nuance comes in. You have to really be able to you have to f- kind of feel your way out. I think in talking about this in in an age appropriate way. Yeah, very much. Right. In an age open of, way, age but, appropriate and individual child maturity appropriate, because exactly. you could have a 14 year old who really is not at a maturity level that you're that your 10 year olds at. Yeah, they're, they're so different in these ways. And that's why, again, this individual relationship and knowing your child is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if, if kids don't know anything about the specifics of the issue, I think that a conversation that kind of starts off with you know, let's bring out in the open the fact that mom and dad aren't agreeing on some things is a, probably a pretty healthy start. And again, mm-hmm. this is a very general response, right? But to just normalize that elephant in the room, you can be vulnerable and transparent without being specific. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yes. Right? You can be open and say, look, mom and dad, it's, it's, I, I know you guys heard us fighting last night. And, and we just want to be straight with you guys. You know, mom and dad, we've got some things that we're working on. You know, we still love each other. We, we love all you kids. This has nothing to do with you, right? This has nothing to do with you guys. We should have handled that better. And, and we're trying to work on some things and figure some things out, you know, and, and I don't, that's not exactly, obviously we'll fit the bill for everyone and it should be tailored, but I think that's a good talking point to bring up. So again, you're pulling it out. Yeah. Of and that's a great way realm. to get, you know, dress the elephant without getting into the, into the gory details that could be very harmful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love that. I love that approach. And the other, you know, the other thing was asked by our listener was how do we, how do we set up a situation so that our kids don't end up in the same trap? Yeah. So we, you know, we don't produce pornography addicts and, you know, adults with betrayal trauma. Yeah. And this gets back again to just this whole concept of healthy, open dialogue, non-shaming. You know, I, when I talk to parents now, I, they, ask, they ask me, Mark, what's the number one thing that you would do different if you're going to raise sexually healthy, emotionally healthy kids? Mm-hmm. And I tell them at all costs, I don't care what it takes. You never, 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 never allow shame to come into the dialogue. You normalize it. Yep. That was the big mistake I made was, was this shaming, right? Sex is dirty. Well, I often joke, sex is dirty, dark, and evil. So save it for someone you really care about. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I laugh because one that's clever, but two, because it's so true. And we laugh, but man, do we give that message so often uh, we're, we're, we're unconscious of it, but that's the message we're portraying. We do. You're absolutely right. Sometimes in religiously rigid environments, sometimes in very, again, I bring my shame about my sexual behaviors and I superimpose them on my kids. Yep. So just keep shame out of it at all costs, normalize. You can say the word penis at the dinner table if it's in an if it's in an appropriate way. Yeah. Right. Just just making it a part of natural, normal, healthy life, which it is. Absolutely. It's the distorting of it that creates all of these issues, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And we know that this is a difficult, difficult subject, guys. We would never like most of the topics that we bring up on here. We we try to give you guys an introduction and a guidepost and a direction. Right? Oh, yes, please. Don't take this today as anything but a basic intro, please. Yes. This is one of the most complicated, um, just individual, um, customized things you can imagine in mental health and psychology is what we're talking about today. So please don't go and say, yep, Mark and Steve gave the definitive, we all end all to all of this, to all of this problem. Here's how it works. Yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be something that you're going to want to involve again, a qualified professional with. And that kind of takes us to the next part, which is going to be our assignment, right? It's, is, you know, as parents, whether you guys are together, separated or whatever, in whatever way is appropriate, giving your dynamic, we would strongly invite you to come together in the parenting role and say, you know, let's get real about what do our kids probably know? You know, where are they really at? Have we noticed any behaviors or, you know, ways that they're conducting themselves? Are there, are there things that we have done or are there things that we've already disclosed or that they already know about and kind of get that on the table and get that discussion rolling. Um, because you need it, this needs to be addressed sooner than later. Um, and Mark, Mark hit the nail on the head. Sex is such a fascinating topic because I, I, my personal opinion is that is it is the most on the one hand universally applicable topic, something that absolutely everyone deals, everyone deals with. But then also at the same time, it's simultaneously the most awkward one too. No, it's it's the biggest paradox maybe in the entire world. It is. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it starts with you as the parents and whatever you guys come up with, it is critical that you guys adopt a united front with your yes, kids on absolutely. how to address this issue because it's really easy, especially if there's a separation or a divorce going on. A lot of parents, uh, without even realizing it, will weaponize their kids in the process yes and you need to be on the same page about what you're talking about what you're yes. disclosing and how you're doing it yep for this issue be 100 percent unified yes absolutely so anyway enough said about that but we are we're we're happy to be here with you guys thanks so much everybody for tuning in and mark thanks for being a vulnerable guinea pig today <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> usually we kind of both do that but today i, I was you know it's been good to hear from a parent who's kind of gone through the whole spectrum of this and and uh a lot of valuable insight there. So yeah. anyway, everybody have a great week and uh, take care of yourselves. Be safe. And uh, we will, we will talk to you soon. Yep. See you next week. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It's connection together. We can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.